Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 158, and today we are talking about books being released on May 15th, 2018, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Jen Northington, and we're coming to you from BookRiot.com. Hello, fellow cat mom. Hello! I How am are the cats? Very happy to be here. My cats are chomping away in the other room. They just got their dinner. So, yeah. 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 From the robot machine? Yes, from the from their robot machine. The automatic feeder, which is the best thing ever invented as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My friend has one, and her cat just sits in front of it and, like, yells for, like, 30 <laughs> minutes before it's supposed to go off. I was like, that isn't any fun. <laughs> well, yeah, they don't yell at it, but they do mess with it. Like, um, Heidi will stick her paw like into the dish and then up underneath it because it's like there's like a container <laughs> and then at a certain at certain pre-programmed times of the day like this little turny wheel moves it's like a it's like a like a water wheel almost and food comes out and she'll like stick her hand up into the where the water like where the little wheel turning thing is and try to like get it to turn and release <laughs> some more and then Petra will just literally hook it and like drag it around the kitchen trying to jolt more food out of it which occasionally <laughs> does work so wow. like like, yeah, it just depends on how motivated they're feeling. Like, some days they're lazy and they're like, whatever, it'll give us food eventually. And then other days I'll walk into the kitchen and find it, like, halfway across the room. Um, and so it's just, you know, it just depends on the day. I, I imagine, like, when you said they mess with it, that, like, they hide its keys <laughs> and they put sugar in its I was going to say, when it falls asleep, they, like, draw a mustache on it. Like, yeah. you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, before we get started, a little housekeeping um, one, you can send us questions for our third anniversary show, in which it will be myself, Jen, Rebecca, and Amanda Yay. all talking. Uh, send those questions to all the books at bookriot.com, those burning questions. We asked people if they had burning questions on Slack the other day on Book Riot Insiders, and someone was like, what do you like for snacks? <laughs> right on. That is a very important <laughs> question, I will yes. have you know. And speaking of insiders, a big shout out to Andrea in Richmond. She answered the trivia question correctly on Book Riot Insiders on our Slack chat the other day. So, I love Andrea. I call her my mini-me. Like, I don't think I've ever met anyone who was like, that's my favorite song on this album. And I'm like, that's my favorite song on this album. And she'll be like, that's my favorite movie by this person. And I'm like, that's my... Like, it's like talking to myself. It's amazing. (laughs) So, she's awesome. So, shout out to Andrea. And now, let's talk about books. Okay. Sounds good. (laughs) That's mostly what we're here for. I guess. Um, My first pick is called So Lucky by Nicola Griffith. Uh, She's an awesome writer. She wrote Hild, which came out a few years ago. This is as skinny as Hild was large. Uh, It's just this very powerful, important little novel. It's about a woman named Mara. She's in her 30s. She's the head of an AIDS foundation. Uh, She's heavily into martial arts. She's she's all trained up. Uh, She has a wife, and she's living a good life. And then, like, at the beginning, her wife has left her for someone else. 
Um, she starts up this questionable relationship, questionable in that, like, it's with her best friend, like, should they take that extra step, you know, and, like, and the possibly ruin their friendship. She starts up a relationship with her. Uh, she's also diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And she loses her job, just to top off her week. Um, and so she's freaking out because, and it's making worse because stress exacerbates the symptoms of MS. Like, she starts feeling, like, these weird tingles and all stuff. She goes to the doctor. They say she has MS. The stress is horrible. It, it affects her. She loses her job. So she's having a really bad week. Um, and all of a sudden, she finds herself on the other side of of the tables, like, listening to people explain to her about her serious illness and having to change aspects of her life, like, pretty much everything. Like, she has to move... Uh, she might have to use a wheelchair, so she has to move, like, the doorknobs and the light switches and all the stuff in her house, and she has to get a ramp, and she's, you know, she likes to do martial arts, and now, like, is she going to be able to continue to do those? Um, she's wondering about her relationship, like, her her new girlfriend has gone uh, on a trip, and she doesn't, she hasn't told her yet what is wrong, and she's wondering, like, is she going to want to be with her if she tells her, you know, that she's ill? Um, and she's also becoming very aware of how society treats people with disabilities. Um, for instance, the building that she was working in, the ramp is in the back of the building, and she's like, you know, all of a sudden she realizes, like, we're treating people with disabilities like second-class citizens, like, they're less than, like, by making them go in the back of the building. And she's, you know, trying to figure out how to face this head-on. You know, she's looking for communities uh, to talk to other people about this, but she finds that, like, a lot of the people that she speaks to are like, here are all the terrible things that are going to happen to you and all this stuff. And she wants to, like, fight this and, like, make people more aware and, and do things about it. So she starts a nonprofit. Um, it's It's fantastic. It's very emotional. Um, this is somewhat autobiographical. Uh, Nicole Griffith herself has MS, and... She's just, she, you know, so she's really, she knows what she's talking about. She's, she's writing it, you know, from the heart and you can feel that, but it's also very unsentimental in like a really necessary way. Like it really opens up your eyes and makes you think about, you know, um, how much we take for granted and also, you know, what needs to be done in society, you know, how we have a, like a really long way to go when it comes to people with disabilities and, and how they are treated. Um, it's just, it's fantastic. Uh, but I will say, um, if you have a needle phobia, mm. you might, you, like, cause it's a real, I know it's a real thing, like, you know, some people, yeah. they can't handle, there's a lot of discussions of, like, her injections and what she has to do because of her medications, so just be aware of that if you're a little squeamish about needles, um, so... But it's it's so so good. And you, Jen, you said you started reading it. Yeah, I'm really loving it. Also, and it's it's so interesting because it was I, like I read and loved Hild, um, and I knew <laughs> a little bit about Nicola Griffith's personal life, but like. I don't know. Hild is such a different book. So it's really yeah. cool to see her range as an author, like that she could write these two books and have them be so completely different, but both so good. Um, there's also, I'm not done with the book yet. And there's like a little teensy bit of like a supernatural thing going on, um, at least in my reading of it. And I'm really curious to see if that's just like me reading into something or I'm being very cagey here because I don't want to spoil anything or if it like <laughs> becomes a bigger part of the book or if it's just that I know that she's in the sci-fi community and I'm like oh maybe that's supernatural um so yeah I but yeah it's a really it is a really 
like powerful, like you said, it's incredibly powerful, both in terms of the writing and the and the story itself. So yeah, I cannot wait to finish it. Except for that, my iPad broke, and that's where it is. So I have to. I know oh no. something has gone horribly wrong with it, and I can't figure out what I have to take it to the Apple Store. So I'm paused in my um, reading of it until I get my iPad fixed. Oh, that's terrible. It's a sad story. Yes, but I'm an amazing book. Yes. So again, it is called So Lucky, and it is by Nicola Griffith. Let's see. My book has no segue <laughs> because it is Happy Cactus, Cacti, Succulents, and More by DK Publishing. And um, Liberty and I were talking before we started recording. She's like, oh, I thought it was like a novel that was just called The Happy Cactus. And I was like, nope, this is literally a book about cacti and succulent varieties. And the reason that I picked this up when I saw it in Edelweiss is because, so I, I've talked on the show before about like doing my grave gardening and like I also have a decent number of house plants and I've gotten a lot better at not killing them. I have like what I like to call a brown thumb. Like I don't have a black thumb, but I definitely don't have a green thumb. So I can only have plants <laughs> that are pretty easy to keep alive, like pothos and spider plants, although I also manage to kill spider plants pretty regularly. Regularly. Um, and like I have a peace lily that I've had for years because it's really obvious when it needs water. But every time I get a cactus or a succulent, I kill it like immediately, just like like within a month, it's dead. And I don't know what I'm doing wrong. They're supposed to be dummy proof. I have also managed to kill an air plant for the record, which also are supposed to be like the easiest thing to keep alive ever. But no, I always kill them. So I went into this book hoping that it would tell me what I'm doing wrong, aside from like my guess that I'm probably overwatering them. And it turns out that there are a lot more variables to cacti and succulents than you would think. And what's so cool about this book, which is not surprising for DK if you like are at all familiar with them as a publisher, they do a lot of like how-tos and kids' books with like really cool illustrations and pictures. And this one has a table of contents that is literally pictures of the different varieties that the book covers. And then you can like so you could kind of identify if you didn't know for sure what the cactus you just got was, you could look at the pictures. And then they also have a little section when they go into like how to care for that specific variety um, of like related plants that you might encounter that don't have their own section but are going to be relatively similar to the one that you do have or the, the one that is listed rather. Um, and it was really clear and really nicely laid out. I liked all of the illustrations a lot and I liked how it had like how much sun should it get and when should you water it and like what does this mean when this happens? Like it had a bunch of different pieces of information that would be useful. Um, my one caveat about this, which is not actually the publisher's fault, it's my fault, is that the, the succulent that I most recently killed was not in there. <laughs> so I couldn't <laughs> look it up. So I'm going to have to rely on the internet for that. But um, it is just really good. And it had all of these different like ideas for where how you could display them. And I don't know, I'm, I'm a plant fan, but I'm not super good at them. So any book that can like show me how to identify what it is that I have and then give me ways to hopefully not kill it immediately is a good book in my estimation and this one had all of that stuff plus it's called happy cactus so that just makes me happy because literally happy is in the title so again that is happy cactus cacti succulents and more by dk publishing maybe the one that you most recently killed was actually an alien life form 
And I saved it, the like, world. Came, like it came down here to like spy on us. Perhaps. And, like, disguise itself as a cactus. Yeah. And I saved the world by killing it. That's very yeah. possible, Liberty. Yeah. Let's go These with that. These things happen all the time. Yeah. <laughs> when I was a little kid, my dream job was to work for Dorling Kindersley. Like, I mean. Always go for DK books when yeah. you need a guide on something. So many pictures. So many pictures. I love them. Mm-hmm. They're so good. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of killing things. <laughs> Not a plant, but our first sponsor today is To Kill a Kingdom by Alexandra Christo. It's sponsored today in part by Fierce Reads. And let me tell you about this, because wow, this is my first time hearing of this, and I'm hooked. Uh, Princess Lyra is siren royalty. With the hearts of 17 princes in her collection, she is revered across the sea until she's forced to kill one of her own. As punishment, the sea queen transforms Lyra into a human. Robbed of her song, Lyra must deliver Prince Elion's heart or remain human forever. Now, Prince Elion, he, the ocean is the only place that he calls home. And hunting sirens is more than a hobby, it's his calling. So when he rescues a woman from drowning and she promises to help him destroy all of siren kind for good, he'll risk everything to protect his people. But can he trust her? It's a dark and murderous little mermaid retelling about a siren and the prince whose heart she must steal literally. Strong, stunning, and occasionally swoony first novel that pulls no punches and puts a fresh, gritty spin on a familiar story. And it's told uh, in alternating chapters between Lyra and Prince Elian. So that sounds fun mm-hmm. and dark. Mm-hmm. I like dark and, you know, mermaidy. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> so again, that book is called To Kill a Kingdom by Alexander Christo. And we thank them for sponsoring. I have no segue for my next book. <laughs> um, you've probably heard of this book. I feel like it's been coming out for like two years now. I think it's been out in the UK for at least that long and possibly Australia. And it's finally here in the States today. It is Tin Man by Sarah Winman, um, who was an author I was not familiar with. I guess she has two other books and I've heard they're all fantastic. So I can't wait to read the other ones because this one is amazing. Like So Lucky, it's also less than 200 pages. And I just, I don't really want to say too much about it because I feel like the beauty is in the reveal, so I'm just going to give you a little little bit about it. Um, there's two young boys named Ellis and Michael. They're 12 years old. They're inseparable, like better than best friends. Like they're just the bestest of friends. And then one day, this is like they grow up together. Um, they have this very special relationship. And then as they get older, Ellis meets Annie, and he is completely taken with her. And now they have like this trio of friends, and they're all like great friends, getting along, everything's wonderful. But Michael realizes that he needs to have his own life. Like, he's not, like, Annie's not a problem, but he wants to have his own life. So he goes off. And in the years that they are separated from Michael, like, Annie and Ellis are a couple, and they face the challenges that couples face, like, things becoming boring, and, and you know, what they're going to do with their lives and what they want. And Michael returns after 10 years. And it's a question of, like, will their friendship survive the test of time? Will they pick up where they left off? Um, What has happened to Michael while he was gone? He has some secrets. Um, It jumps back and forth between uh, the point of view of Ellis and Michael. It goes from the 60s uh, to the 90s. Um, And like I said, I I don't want to say anything else about it because it's just so beautiful. Um, I will say that Sunflowers, the painting by Vincent Van Gogh, is a part of the story, which is also a part of the UK or the US cover, I should say. Um, someone said that this was, like, the new Call Me By Your Name, but having not read Call Me By Your Name, I can neither confirm nor deny, (laughs) but 
it's it's so lovely. I, I'm looking forward to just reading it again very soon. So again, it is called Tin Man, and it is by Sarah Winman. It's so hard with short books to, like, know how much to say because, yeah, yeah, you don't want to give away the whole thing. But you also want to tell people enough to get them intrigued. That is a that is a point of book recommending that I always think about because brevity is hard Um, for me. I'm a gusher. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) You know, I think my next book is also a short one. Let's see. It is The Crossing by Jason Mott. And okay, maybe not so short. The hardcover is 336 pages, but it is so, it's such a compact novel that it feels really tight and like you know some novels feel big and sprawling and I like that but this novel feels very contained and very tightly written and I also really enjoy that um and it is a sort of near future where uh the world is at war um and it's stupid that the world is at war because on top of that there's this new disease that is reaching epidemic proportions and Science has no idea what's going on, but what happens is, like, it starts with older folks, and they fall asleep one day, and they just never wake back up. Like, medical science cannot reawaken them. Um, And it's not a classic coma. It's something different, but nobody knows what to do about it. But they're like, well, it's only affecting old people, so, like, that's not great, but that's not so bad. But then, uh, as years pass, the age at which people start to acquire this disease is younger and younger, and they have no idea how it's spreading. And so, like eventually, potentially, the whole human race could be wiped out because they don't know how to stop it. They don't know how to treat it. Um, But everybody goes to war anyway because what are governments for except for that, apparently, in this concept of the world? Um, So the main characters are twins, Virginia and Tommy Matthews, and they were orphaned in a car crash when they were five. Um, And they have grown up in this world. Um, And they also were in and out of foster care, um, because their parents died in the car crash. And uh, that has not been super great, although it doesn't delve too deeply into it. Um, And when the book opens, they are running away from their current foster father, who's a cop, um, because Virginia wants to go to this NASA launch in Cape Canaveral. Um, And part of why she wants to go is that she remembers her father telling her about this mission. Because also, Virginia has, like, a photographic memory. She remembers everything forever. She remembers every conversation she ever had she remembers every book she's ever read she remembers everything she's ever seen she just remembers everything and this is super important to her because she feels totally hopeless in the meantime tommy has been drafted to fight in the war and she feels terrible about that she doesn't want him to go because he's her twin and she relies on him for a lot of things and he relies on her um and he is kind of forgetful and uh so she feels like she has to remember for him and they are basically runaways in this very strange world that they inhabit and you follow them and you kind of find out like a little bit more about the world but it's much less plot-driven and much more relationship-driven. This is one of those very thinky near-future novels where it's really all about how people are navigating these strange circumstances and, like, what they 
what they feel about each other, what they feel about themselves, how do they envision themselves fitting into the system or not fitting into it. And along the way, as they're running away, they get separated and they start to have separate adventures. And that reveals some secrets um, that they have been keeping from each other. So it's a sibling story. It's a near future story. There's a little bit of the supernatural going on, but it's really not that intrinsic to the plot except for to set the scene, as it were. Um, It's much more about these relationships that Virginia and Tommy have. And Jason Ma has written other sci-fi and fantasy that I haven't read, but now I definitely need to um, because apparently his book, The Returned, was a bestseller, and I really loved the writing in this one. It was very good, clean, um, and occasionally very beautiful prose, and I really felt like the characters just came to life, and I knew them, and you know, I watched them struggle, and they're not perfect characters at all, but they were very compelling. And there's nobody, there's like, you think you feel a certain way about some of them. And then as more things start to get revealed, you know, there's more complexity added and you start to feel differently about characters you thought you knew. And I always love when an author can do that sort of unfolding with character development. So that is The Crossing by Jason Mott. Was The Returned made into something? I feel like... Oh, I feel like it there, was, but I, I could like be wrong. it might be too, but you know, I, I have only recently discovered him for myself. Like, obviously, a lot of other people know about him because his book was a bestseller, but I am new to his career, so it's very possible, though. I, maybe I'm just thinking of, like, because, like, everything sells the rights now. Like, Well, that's true. That's but true. But they don't always make everything into into something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was telling Jen uh, before we started, well, I was telling her lots of things, um, but... <laughs> Uh, I read a lot of books for this week, and I was disappointed in several of them, which made me sad, And but I'm not going to talk about those. Um, so, my next pick, I've only read, like, the first quarter of it because I've been trying really hard, but I'm really enjoying it and, like, feel confident in a way that it's going to continue to be great, so I wanted to mention it, um, partly because it revolves around an incident in history that I had never heard of before. Um, the book is called The Storm, and it's by Arif Anwar. Uh, and it's in the his, the historical event I'm talking about is the 1970 Bola cyclone, which was an actual event. It was the deadliest tropical storm in history. It killed almost half a million people um, in 1970 in Bangladesh, which was actually East Pakistan at the time. Uh, and criticism of the government's handling of uh, aid to the people after the storm uh, led to a landslide victory for the um uh, I lost my words. <laughs> Led to a landslide victory for the opponent uh, in the in the voting a year later, um, which led to unrest and riots and a war and cre- was like the creation of Bangladesh. Um, so like all the stuff I had never heard of, like I, I did not know any of that. It was very interesting. Uh, the book itself takes place over 60 years. It's about a PhD graduate whose visa is expiring. He's been living in the States. He has a young daughter here. Uh, He has to return to his village, which is also the village where they are preparing for this epic storm. There's also a storyline involving a Japanese pilot. There's a British doctor, and there's a couple in Calcutta. And all of their stories sort of intersect and throughout history and how they're all affected um, by this storm and, like, things that are happening in regards to the storm. Um, And it's... It's fantastic. Like I said, I've only read a quarter of it. Um, there could be, you know, talking robot monkeys or something at the end that I'm not expecting. And, you know, I, I doubt it, but these things have been known to happen. So, um, but so far, I highly recommend the first quarter. And I'll definitely let you know how the rest of it went. So, again, that is called The Storm, and it's by Arif Anwar. 
Awesome. I don't have a segue into our second sponsor, but I'm just going to do it anyway because our second sponsor is us. And more specifically, it is our podcast Recommended, which is coming back for season two. Yay! Sorry, I'm very personally excited because I produce this show, um, which means that I get to do a lot of the interviews for it. So what Recommended is, is we talk to interesting people, including authors and other uh, book world people about their favorite books. So what is a book that has meant a lot to them? And we get on the phone with them and we record an interview and then you get to listen to it and we do two uh, people per episode. And all of season one is up online. Last year was the first year we did it um, and it ran from September to November. And this year, season two starts on this coming Wednesday, May 16th. So the day after you are listening to this show and I we keep it a secret who is going to be in each episode until the episode airs because I like a little bit of mystery but I can tell you that I am so delighted with this season's authors they are just fantastic and they picked such interesting books to talk about and I always find that when I listen to a writer talk about a book that they love I feel like I learn something new about their writing and that definitely is happening with this coming season of Recommended so yes I would love for folks to tune into that Um, you can go to bookriot.com slash recommended and yeah the very first episode airs on Wednesday, May 16th, which will be the day after you are listening to this. And I'm doing like jazz hands over here. You can't see it, but I'm doing jazz hands. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited for it. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly so that then I can talk about who I interviewed with people because right now it's like big secrets and I can't say who they are. But then once we start to once the episodes start to air, then I can ha- I can talk to people about it and that's exciting. Um, okay, a book that I can talk to you about right now and I'm going to is The Queen of Sorrow by Sarah Beth Durst. It is the third book in the Queens of Renthea series, which I have been following along with. And I, this, okay, this is the third book. It's the, it's the final volume in this trilogy. And it is even better than I hoped for. I just finished it during my lunch break today before we recorded. And I was genuinely surprised at the way that things developed. Um, I don't want to give away any spoilers for this series, so I'm just going to kind of talk about it generally. Um, But the world that this series takes place in is a fantasy world where the whole of nature is sort of inhabited and made possible by spirits. So there's like air spirits and fire spirits and tree spirits and dirt spirits and ice spirits and just everything is a spirit. Um, And if those spirits die, like if a tree spirit dies, its tree dies. And if an earth spirit dies, a patch of land dies. And if the fire spirit dies, you can't light a fire. So they're really important to the world. They're also really angry. (laughs) Like they are, (laughs) they're dangerous. They're violent. Um, And they have a tendency to kill people. And the way that they are controlled is that each uh, realm in Renthea has a queen who has a special power. Um, She's one of many young women, and they are all women who have the ability to interact with and potentially control the spirits. And the queen is in charge of controlling all of the spirits in that realm. Um, And so obviously that is why it's called the Queens of Renthea. And you learn about the current crop of queens and like how 
how they got to be queens. But super dangerous uh, occupation for obvious reasons. Um, and there's all these different political shenanigans going on and there's people who like don't even want to be a queen but they have to because everybody else is dead or because there's nobody else to do it at that time or, you know, reasons, fantasy reasons why these people have to take up the mantle and get the job done. And the first two books you follow specific women in their journeys to the crown. Um, But this third book, what it does that I really enjoyed is that it really broadens the world. And so you get to see some of the other realms, which you didn't before. And you get to see kind of how this world got the way it is and whether or not there's anything they can do about it. Um, And so it, it just took a moment and like, broadened the whole context of the series in a way that I found really great. Uh, I will also say I read the author's note at the end and she said she's going to write like a standalone installment in the same world but the trilogy like this particular plot arc is done but there's more coming for the world which I for one am really excited about because I liked them a lot before but now I'm like really hype on it because it was just so interesting to see her sort of lay bare the roots of her world building in a way that I wasn't expecting to get and now I just like need more I need more so it is technically a finished trilogy if you're a follower of O'Neill's Razor but hopefully we'll get more books in the world and I'm excited for that Um, and I think they're all really worth your time the other thing that this series did in the second book that I wrote a little bit about in a post um, is that you got a heroine who is also an actively parenting mother which doesn't happen super often in fantasy. Like you get pregnant fantasy heroines and you get women who have had children but maybe are not like actively interacting with those children on the page. But most of the second book is like, literally about parenting while you're also trying to become a queen, which is complicated for a lot of reasons. Um, And I really appreciated that too. So there's a lot of good things going on in this series. So again, the third book is The Queen of Sorrow, um, and that is the Queens of Renthea series by Sarah Beth Durst. It's time for my last one. Yay. All right. Before I discuss it, I would just like to give a trigger warning for discussion of suicide. Um, This last pick, I just read the other day. It actually came out in February, um, but it was beautiful, and I wanted to mention, again, another book under 200 pages. Like, I don't know what happens. Like, I got a lot of small books, but it's just this very slim coming-of-age novel set in America's heartland uh, during World War II. It's about a young girl named Seal. She's 15 years old, and she lives on a farm in Wisconsin. Um, and uh, as the book opens, she walks into the barn, and she finds her father, who has killed himself. Um, and she goes in and she tells her mother. Her mother seems, like, completely out of it, so she runs to the neighbors to tell them. By the time she's roused the neighbors and brought them back to the house, uh, they're telling her, oh, your father had an accident, it's terrible, he's gone. Um, she doesn't quite understand what happens, uh, but she learns that, um, their farm was in danger of, they were in danger of losing the farm, and they had taken out a loan, and, um, if the owner of the farm commits suicide, it's an automatic default on the loan, Um, And her mother, you know, is there with her and her sister, and they don't want to lose the farm, so they've made it look like it was an accident. Uh, And so she's struggling with that, like, with um, what she knows about what really happened. Uh, She also is struggling with the idea that her older sister is going off to college. She's going to be there now with her mother. Um, But she also knows a, a secret about her sister's boyfriend. And she's also dealing with her own, like, blossoming romance with the neighbor boy. 
And it's just this really powerful little book about love and community and perseverance. Um, and I just loved her writing. It, it was very evocative of the time period. Like, it seemed so realistic, like she had lived through it, and I just thought it was beautiful. So again, that book is called The Driest Season, and it's by Megan Kenny. Nice. Um, my last book is the one I haven't finished yet, also because my iPad is broken for the record. <laughs> um, but I have really been just totally sucked in by what I've already read. Um, it is Johnny Appleseed by Joshua Whitehead. And this is a novel about a young man who is a Native American and uh, two-spirit, which is the thing I'm learning about. But um, it's one of the, like indigenous ways that you can be queer is how I'm going to say that. I apologize if I'm phrasing this wrong. Um, but uh, he grew up on the reservation and has since left. Um, and it this book is super frank about sex for the record. So like I'm gonna not going to go into details, but it's part of the plot. Um, and he has become a cyber sex worker. Like he does cam work. And he sort of trades on the stereotypes about like about being queer about being native american about being indigenous like all of these different things um and is constantly reinventing himself for his clients and like using those stereotypes in his work um and the novel picks up when he has discovered that his stepfather who he like doesn't really care about um, has died, um, but his mom really wants him to come to the funeral, and he wants to be there for his mom. So he has to earn enough money to get to the res uh, to attend the funeral and see his mother. And so then the book takes place over the course of a week um, where he's trying to like earn all of this money to get back home, or where he grew up, rather. But it's also, there's a lot of flashbacks to him growing up. Um, and uh, some of them are really sad. Like, he experienced a lot of bullying. And then some of them are kind of funny. And then some of them are really touching. He had this really beautiful relationship with his grandmother, um, his kokum, as it's called in the book. Um, and you get to see some of that develop. And I think that, I, I think I would have liked this book no matter what, because it's it's one of those heartbreaking coming of age stories, which I always find so powerful and and am in, am so interested in reading. Um, and it is both a native and a queer story, which we don't have a lot of uh, that are you know published. Um, certainly not by the big five publishers. And so it's really exciting to see this coming out. And in fact, this is not published by a big five. It's an Arsenal Pulp Press book. Um, they do great work. They have a really interesting lineup of authors. And so I'm excited to see this. Coming coming out. And then also what was interesting about this book is like, I am a white girl, obviously, but, but maybe some of you don't know that. And um, I didn't know what some of these words meant. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, you know, Joshua Whitehead is not packaging this to be like a primer on native life for a white audience. Like I, I was Googling stuff and looking things up and trying to figure out what certain terms meant. And I, I am happy to do that work. Like I, it, I feel like it's really important that stories like this get to be told for the, uh, for the community that they are coming from and not f like repackaged to be palatable to a white audience. And, um, and, and I also appreciate being immersed in somebody else's world in that kind of way where like I, I just think it's really powerful if you're not constantly having to like 
have the narrator stop and define things for somebody who might not know. Because you can, that's what Google is for. <laughs> like, literally, that is what Google is for. Um, and I really appreciate Whitehead's writing style. It's really, it's really sharp. It's really frank. It's really um, sort of a very dark sense of humor. It's, it's a really powerful read so far. And so, yeah, I am very much looking forward to my iPad being fixed so that I can finish it. Um, so, again, that is Johnny Appleseed by Joshua Whitehead. That is like at the top of my list of things to buy. Whew, it's like a, it's a really good gut punch so far. A really, really good one. So those are our new books. What are you going to read next? Oh, what am I going to read next? Oh, I know. My um, library hold on Crazy Rich Asians finally came in. And I have sworn that I'm going to catch up with everybody else and read it before the movie comes out. Because I cannot wait to see that movie. So that is next on my stack. What about you? I just received in the mail today, you probably heard all the shrieking, um, <laughs> the, the new Samantha Sweblin, the, mm. she wrote Fever Dream, and now this is a book of stories called Mouthful of Birds, and I could not be more excited. Nice. Yeah. I've read Fever Dream like four times now. Still oh, don't really? understand it. Do you, I was yep. going to say, do you Love know what it. happened at the end? <laughs> nope. Still don't understand it. Love it so much. Uh, so excited for this. So that is all for today. Thanks again to our sponsors, To Kill a Kingdom by Alexander Christo and Season 2 of Recommended, which drops on Wednesday the 16th. That's the day after you're listening to this today, or maybe not, but go back and check it out. Uh, drop us a line and all your burning questions at all the books at bookriot.com. You can find me on Twitter. I'm Miss Liberty. You can find Jen on Tumblr at jenirl.tumblr.com. That's Jen with two N's. Uh, if you want to help other listeners to find us, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating or a review. Helps bookish people come our way. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books out today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. So, Jen, in yep. the meantime, happy, happy reading! reading.